You are now tuning in to the Bodybuilding Lifestyle Podcast, the number one source for unfiltered truth in bodybuilding with your host, Elon Muscular. The Bodybuilding Lifestyle Podcast is sponsored by Elon Muscular Private Coaching. There's a huge issue with online coaching today. Cookie cutter plans, unattentive coaches, and an industry saturated with misinformation. If you're looking for a bodybuilding coach that will be on your ass about getting results, and make sure you tick all the boxes every day with daily check-ins, unlimited text access, and quarterly video consults and progress reports, then Elon Muscular Coaching is for you. All the guys on Team Muscular are my personal friends and I'm proud to build a relationship with every client in order to best hold them accountable to their goals. If this sounds interesting to you, reach out to me to book a free discovery call to see if coaching is right for you. Now let's get right into the episode. What is up guys and welcome to episode 14 of the Bodybuilding Lifestyle Podcast. Here we have Aaron Burke, built by AB on Instagram. And I'm really excited to have Aaron here because he has a super interesting story. He's a bodybuilder from the UK who actually lives in China and moved there. I don't even know why, but now he's making big waves over there doing seminars for you know Chinese people and helping bring up bodybuilding over there. And um, he has made a really incredible transformation over the past few years. I've been following him on Instagram and the guy has absolutely blown up. So I want to get into how that happened, a little bit about the practical application behind that and learn his story. So what's up, Aaron? Welcome to the podcast. How you doing, buddy? All right. First, let me say congratulations on having probably the best Instagram YouTube handle there is in the world. (laughs) Is your actual real name Elon or, or did you just take it? Yeah, my name is Elon, and I was Dude, thinking. So about, lucky. <laughs> I was thinking about like you know what kind of name do I want to put my you know how do I want to put myself out there right? So my last name is Strutovsky, so like nobody's gonna remember that. No, and, no one can uh, say that. Though. Yeah, exactly. So so I and then I was like, my friend actually called me Elon Muscular one time, and I was like, that's actually so cool. Like I feel like people. Will so good. That. It's such a good name. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I remember when uh, one of your one of your first comments popped up in the uh, one of the Muscle Nomads uh, comment sections, and I was like, "Who? What? Elon?" <laughs> and I read it. I had to read it two or three times, and I was like, "What a, what a genius! What a name!" <laughs> yeah, congratulations, you you win that one. <laughs> well, it's not. It, it would be weird for me if my name wasn't Elon, and then people are calling me that because then it's, it's like way. it's like what? Even you if know, it wasn't Elon, it's still a cool name. Yeah, I guess. But like, you know, people refer to you and they like send me emails and stuff. And I feel like it would be weird if it like wasn't my actual name. You know what I mean? Well, it's just an added bonus, right? Yeah. All right. So so let's jump into it, man. How did you get like how let's talk about the move to China first. Like what made you move to China? How many years have you been living there? And were you really into bodybuilding before you went there? Um, so my background in England was uh, very sport based. So I was super into rugby for most of my life, played rugby from a very young age. So that certainly sort of gave me some good, good sort of thick foundations, I guess. Um, in sort of into my teens, I started getting into like martial arts and things like that. 
dabbling with a little bit of boxing and um, a little bit of jujitsu in my later years and and uh, lots of Wing Chun as well. So I was always a, a big into martial arts. And ever since I was a, a real young kid, it's all I watched. All I watched was Bruce Lee, Jet Li, Jackie Chan stuff all the time. So maybe there was like some subconscious like, you know, thing there to look more into into China. And uh, actually, it's, it's when I was, I remember when I was about, I think I was about 11 or 12, maybe early teens. And I remember I was pestering my mum for months and months and months about sending me to China to join uh, a Shaolin retreat for like two months. I'm like 13 years old, like, you know, all I wanted to, I just wanted to be a ninja, you know? I was just like, I need to learn the ways of the Shaolin. I've watched Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon way too many times. And I tried leaping from branch to branch like that way too many times and failed miserably. But I was, yeah, I was really obsessed with uh, with martial arts and stuff like that. And um, I don't know, and the sort of the culture, the things, you know, like that, you know, the nice sort of fantasy kung fu era of all those movies. I don't know, I was really into it. So I was, you know, on the online one day and came across this like Shaolin Academy where you could go over there and like live with the Shaolin for three months and live in a shack and eat a bowl of rice a day, Kill Bill style, you know? <laughs> and I remember pestering her for months and months and months about going over to this thing and obviously, you know, pipe dream. And um, so I just kind of forgot about it. But from a young age, I always had that kind of fascination with uh, with China and the culture and martial arts and things like that. And then many, many years goes by and something else happened, which got me here. I'll get to it. So most of my background is all in rugby. Uh, I was a big sports guy. Um, sort of into my teens, I started turning into a gym rat. And, you know, the typical gym rat, you know, going to the gym and doing the typical whatever bro split you can find, like probably an Arnold blueprint or something like that. Something with way too much volume for me that was just kicking my ass. But as a beginner, you get some pretty decent newbie gains, right? Um, so I had no idea about nutrition and things like that, how to really train, how to really structure training. I was just a, purely a gym rat. And then I go and play rugby on the weekends, get beard up with the boys afterwards. And that was my life year after year after year, um, all the way up till sort of, early 20s when I started taking training a little bit more seriously and uh, started learning from some other coaches via the rugby team. We had some pretty good coaches on board. Um, so I started uh, dabbling and getting online, doing a lot more studying about the more intricate parts of training, recovery and how to structure, you know, off-season and pre-season and all this kind of stuff. Uh, training for rugby still at this point. But, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be big. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was a bit of a gym rat back then, for sure. So um, I have a question uh, about the martial arts guys. When you saw them as a kid, like, did you think, like, these guys are fucking jacked? Because I remember thinking, if I could just look like Bruce Lee, like in that movie, you know what I mean, where he's super jacked, that would be, like, all that I ever need in my life, you know? Did you look at them and, sure. and think that they were muscular, or did you kind of know yeah. that they were... Yeah. Yeah. You see like uh, Bruce Lee and what was it like uh, Fist of Fury? He's got like a Wolverine slash across his belly of ripped abs and he's just shredded. And I think that's probably the, the first time I ever saw a six pack. And I was like, what the hell? I want to look like that. You know, so back then, yeah, for sure, Bruce Lee was like, he was the jacked guy. And then, you know, you 
the more you the action era was going down it was more like oh what's this movie you know and you end up watching the commando and then rocky and rambo and you see stallone and arnold and all these guys as well and you're like they're all, all the actors were just bigger and bigger and better and jacked all the way through you know so yeah definitely they were the as far as movies are concerned and actors huge role models of, of how i kind of wanted to look um I guess back then, though, like at the time, I was you know I was still a kid. I didn't really know how to look that way. I knew that I'd go to the gym, throw some weights around, you know, eat mum's home cooking, and I'll get big. <laughs> and that was that's pretty much all I knew at the time. But yeah, like those physiques, I was definitely drawn to that kind of big jacked look for sure. I wasn't interested in like uh, I don't know other kinds of physiques. Put it that way. So, so at what point did you decide that, like, at what point did you decide to take bodybuilding more seriously and do competitions and stuff like that? Like, was that after you already were living in Asia? Yeah, very late, very late. So right before I came to China, I, um, I tore my ACL unknowingly. I just thought I had a really like a, a tear, but nothing crazy. Um, and then in my first year in China, I was uh, kicking a ball around with some friends and it just popped and went. Uh, so I went to get MRIs and stuff done like that and uh, ended up having a full ACL replacement surgery and a big repair on my meniscus as well. Um, so that set me back. At that time, I was I was lifting, but not lifting um, like with any intention of bodybuilding, just lifting because all the way through my 20s, I kind of, well, since the age of like 16, 17, all the way up through, I, I was always a little bit bigger than the average Joe. I was quite thick, stocky lad. Um, and I liked being big. I liked being a little bit bigger than the average guy. Um, so I always kept training for that reason. And then, you know, the, the obsession kicks in and then you get a little bit of um, bigorexia and then you need to be a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. Then the new guy joins the rugby team who's bigger than you. So now you need to be bigger than him. So I was always like, enjoyed being the big one. Um, and yeah, that put a massive end to that. So I was at the time I was just like a stocky rugby guy, went to China, didn't obviously didn't play rugby in China. Um, I made the decision at that point to just try new things and, and move over here and see what happens. Did the surgery. And then during my surgery recovery, um, actually it was probably before the surgery. Yeah. Before the surgery. Cause I was training pretty hard in the gym before the surgery, because a buddy of mine um, called uh, Anthony Capone, an actual direct, a direct relative of Capone as well, surprisingly enough. Um, he was a big bodybuilding fan and coached a couple of bodybuilders back in his hometown in New York. And we were working in the same office in, in China. And, you know, we, we were good friends there. And, and he said to me, we went to the gym together a few times. And, you know, back then I was just like a little, you know, natty gym rat. And he was like, you've got potential, man. He's like, you've got really good genetics. You gain muscle, like really, you respond very quick when you hit the gym after having a long break. He could, I don't know, I guess he just had the eye for it. And he was, uh, he said, you know, what, what do you know about bodybuilding and stuff? And I was like, I think I can tell you two names. I think the two names I could think of was probably Arnold. Oh uh, no, three names actually, I remember from big magazines, Arnold, Ronnie and Jay. Um, and that was it. I was like, that's all I know about bodybuilding. I know those three guys are bodybuilders and Arnold, 
you know, was the most famous and now he's a movie star, blah, blah, blah. UK guy, you didn't know Dorian? Dude, this is it. And this is exactly what he said. He was like, <laughs> Don't, have you never heard of Dorian Yates? And I was like, who the hell is Dorian Yates? And he's like, oh my God, get over here right now. And we just sat there on YouTube for like two hours straight in the office. And he's like, give me the whole intro and bio to Dorian Yates. And I'm like, holy shit. I didn't know we had any good bodybuilders in England. Um, and that's where my bodybuilding education started. And this was late, man. This was, I was like 20, what was I? 25, 26, something like that. Really late. Um, and you know, that I just started, I was okay, this is pretty cool. I started looking into it and I just got obsessed really, really quickly. I was just a full YouTube warrior, everything I could possibly absorb about bodybuilding, um, especially from Dorian and the training sort of thing as well. I think one of the first things I watched was the blood and guts series. And I was like, oh, this is proper training. Like I like this and I think that came across really well for me because I remember when I was just a gym rat, like without knowing, we always used to push ourselves really hard. We would be grinding out to failure, We're probably doing way too much and way too often, but it was always hard training, no fluff work. So the Dorian stuff really, uh, really, uh, what's the word? Um, resonated. Uh, so I really uh, enjoyed that. So I got stuck into that training straight away. And that was it. From then on, the rest is just, you know, every day obsessed on the computer, learning about as much bodybuilding stuff, history, people, and just, just everything, training, dieting, everything. I just got super obsessed with all of it. And that's when I started really getting into bodybuilding and training and eating with the intent of possibly being a bodybuilder. And that was, yeah, that was only, that was only, geez, six years ago. Um, but even back then I was still a very like basic, basic beginner. I had no idea what I was doing. It was, you know what it's like for these young guys that are looking at bodybuilding stuff. Now there's so many sources of information. They have no idea what's right, what's wrong, what works, what doesn't work, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. So it was just trial and error all the time and just enjoying the gym. Uh, and it wasn't until um 2019 in june uh where i got invited by a buddy of mine rocco who dragged me over to thailand he said look you've got to come over to thailand you've got to meet these guys there's a big gym open in there at the muscle factory um lee priest coast uh, coach andy cunningham is going to be there uh lee chul from who was at the olympia this year or last year he was there uh, with another bodybuilder called Shin, another Korean Mr. Universe guy. A guy called Big Ali from the Middle East, giant of a man, uh, a couple of the Thai pros, Bart, who runs the place, and, uh, and a guy called Vigorous Steve, who's now, my, who's now my coach. And he said, you just need to come over, come on holiday, enjoy a holiday, but come and hit the gym a few times and meet these guys and try and join them with this little training camp they've got going on. And yeah. That was that was the the match on the on the fire. That was that was the fuel on the fire. So I was just enjoying lifting before that. Met those guys and I was like, okay, I want to be a bodybuilder now. And that was it. So from there it was okay, Steve, I'm gonna hire you. I want you to be my coach. Let's do it all properly. Let's get this stuff nailed. And from there it's just been it's been great. It's just nothing but upwards.
I just find it, I find it really interesting. And like, this is something that I really wanted to talk to you about, like just that I find it interesting when people have like a moment or like a, you know, time in their life when things completely change, you know, and they go in a different, maybe not a different direction, but they start to take things seriously and try to actually reach their full potential in whatever they're doing. It seems like before that point, you were kind of like drifting along, like trying to kind of like find something that, that made you feel like you could really like fit in there and do it. And then when you had that experience, it kind of made you like, I'd, I've been following you since pretty much then, because I was following Vigorous Steve. Um, and I met him too in Bangkok, super great guy. And then yeah, you, you after that, I, I started following you after like the few posts that you guys did together. And I just saw that you going from like pretty much normal guy to like completely in the identity of a bodybuilder and just doing everything that it takes, like pretty much maybe like not overnight, but shortly after could you talk about that mindset shift and like what really made you want to dedicate so much to bodybuilding you know and, and change your life like that yeah i think i think there's two very pivotal pivotal oh, i can't even talk there's two very important times in my life where i've had those big life-changing kind of moments or periods of time which have uh, set me on a much better path and one of them was a, a, a year or two before that. Um, I think it was about a full year before that. Yeah, it was a year before I went to Thailand. And me and some buddies, um, buddies of mine, Eric and Anthony, and uh, we went over to Japan. Um, we had a couple of friends there and we wanted to, who wanted to start a gaming company, a gaming business, starting with a board game. And he hit big on big Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, it was like several, you know, we're all going to quit our jobs and we're going to go and move to Japan and live like Kings and set up this business. And we're going to put it on, um, you know, GoFundMe or something like that, or what was it? Indiegogo or something. And we're going to be, you know, overnight success was the dream. <laughs> <laughs> so we were all sold because we were all kind of in this, like, uh, I don't know, not in a dark place. We were all just very, very bored and getting very complacent with our lives here. And we all just decided, right, that's just sometimes in life, you just have to drop everything. You have to risk it all. And you never know what will happen, right? And the worst case scenario, you just go back to where, where you were at the start and try again. But unless you put some things on the line and risk some things, you're not going to gain anything, right? So this is the kind of mindset we had. And we did it. And uh, while, we, while we were there, the business itself, like, completely flopped for a few different reasons, but that's beside the point. The trip, the trip itself and the people I was with was a very life-changing one. And I put it down to, am I allowed to talk about drugs, recreational drugs? Yeah. I talked about them on a podcast before, you know, I I've also had my share in that kind of stuff. So yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, this is something I'm quite, I don't want to say passionate about, but I, I'm very, um, well, I know 100% that it definitely changed my life. But we basically, we we um, we experimented a lot with uh, some LSD. And um, I had some, and it wasn't like, you know, go to a rave and party on the LSD on acid and get, you know, and cry your eyes out with laughter all night long. We had a couple of nights like that. But for the most part, we were very much um, really trying to get super focused and trying to get some clarity. We were all very sort of self-aware people and looking for something a bit different from it than the typical 
party aspects because you know it's it's an amazing good fun experience but there's so much more to be had from it and um so we we, we experimented anyway and long story short met some really amazing people over there that kind of uh were just a nice influence on just life in general you know about just how to be a good person and you know and just how to enjoy your life and forget about all the nonsense and blah 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 and it kind of gave me this like uh filter and i could after i we did it a few times and had some moments of clarity where it things just kind of made sense afterwards you come out of it you know eight hours later or whatever you have a good night's sleep you wake up in the morning and you just have like these moments of clarity and you realize so much of the crap that's that you were worried about just doesn't matter it just doesn't matter it's, it's just fog and what it did was just kind of gave me this filter to just filter filter out things that do not matter and leave behind nothing but the real priorities that I should be focusing on to improve my life in all aspects. So that trip itself, it was over the space of like four months with some really good friends and, uh, and that really changed me. So when I came back to China after that, I was 100%, in my mind, 100% different. And I was ultra focused on just everything in general. Um, at that point, I had started uh, doing a bit of coaching online, helping some people with the knowledge that I did have from just my own studies and things like that and a bit of practice and trial and error. So I decided to help a few friends and start the coaching thing and uh, it, dabble in the supplements business as well. Just normal supplements, you know, your proteins and creatines and things like that, just as a secondary source of income. And um, that whole year was just very much very hard work, um, but I was just super focused. And I realized that I was being like this and just working hard was making me feel really good. And I was getting the rewards from that and everything was showing for it. And I came back as well and I, I got engaged as well to who now is my wife. And um, I just figured out who the, who the priorities are, who are the important people you need to focus on? What are the things you really need to focus on and make happen? And it was all of these things. And it kind of all funneled into what seemed to be another pivotable, 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 I can't say Pivotal, pivotal. Pivotal, pivotal. I'm trying to add in an extra few letters for some reason. <laughs> This pivotal moment of when uh, Rocco contacted me and said, we need to go to China, you need to go to Thailand, you need to meet these guys. And when I met them, and you know, they were very encouraging, and they really uh, sort of, I think I just needed a bit of reassurance. And that I, this is a genuine possibility. Because I know, you know, everyone, there's probably a lot of people that want to be bodybuilders that maybe can't from maybe a genetic point of view, or they can, but it's going to take a long time. And you know, blah, blah, blah. So just having a little bit of reassurance and guidance from those guys over the space of like two weeks in Thailand was, yeah, that's all the, mo I was like, it filled up my inspiration, motivation bottle and more. The people I met there were just such good people. They were so informative. They taught me a lot in a couple of weeks just training me with these guys and being in that environment that the muscle factory gym in Thailand, if you haven't gone there, go, well, you've been there, but for people who haven't gone there, um, do it. It's really a different experience than a lot of gyms. And it's very, very cool. And you find yourself getting very much just in the zone there in a very good way, very fast. I was there all day, mate. 
I was there all day. I was training. I'd do my training session. I was just hang around the gym, eat my meals because the gym provided all the meals. I was just <laughs> watching the Koreans train. And then I watched the Thai guys train. And I was just, you know, handing them dumbbells, changing plates for them and just being there, being involved and just, just watching and learning as much as I could. And it was so good. It was so good. And it just uh, really lit a fire in my belly. And um, then I, you know, had a good meeting with Steve and we spoke about, you know, what directions to move in if it's something I want to take seriously. And that was it. I was fixed and I was on the right track and I felt confident. I felt good. I came out of a really good holiday, a nice period of rest and felt like I had filled in a lot of blank areas before. I felt, felt before there was a lot of gaps and a lot of blanks and a lot of misinformation. And that brief trip, trip there really uh, ticked all the boxes, filled the gaps and set me in the right direction. So that was a big... That was it. That was basically from the, that trip. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be good at it. That's an awesome story, man. That's, that's exactly. Sorry. The story. I rambled for no, like no, it's, so long. It's okay. <laughs> I just, you know, I, the first, the first like episode or a few episodes that I did, I, I listened to them back when doing the timestamps and I was like, I talk too much. Like they, you know, Oh really? if, if people want to listen to me, they can listen to my videos but like when it's a podcast i, I want to try to let the person talk you know what i mean so they can get to know the person that i have as a guest you know what i mean but uh i, I just wanna... like you know it's like these stories it brings back all the memories and then you start thinking about all the small details and you want to start talking about all the small details but you know, just just tell me to shut up and ask, yeah. ask a question. Just, well, just butt in at any time because I'll ramble. I'll ramble. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to I want to dig into like a few things that you talked about because obviously a lot of really interesting topics that that we could go a little bit deeper on. Um, sure. in, in terms of LSD, like it's really it it really is a great drug to to change your perspective. And I think that the way that you guys did it was the way that people should do it. I don't think that it should be something that should be used in like a party setting or something like that, because just the way that it affects the brain, it's not really even the best drug for that kind of situation. I mean, it could no. be, it could be positive, but that's not what it's being used for. Like clinically, you know what I mean? Like people are clin like nowadays in the U S they're doing a lot of experiments with LSD and psilocybin and talk therapy. So like, people will want to change their life because they're very depressed or they have PTSD or something. And they'll go talk to a therapist who give the, and they, and they'll give them LSD and walk them through like the process of re-examining your life and stuff like that in a controlled setting. Um, so it sounds like that was more along the lines of the type of thing that you guys were doing. I'm a little, yeah, I'm a little jealous because uh, I've been like, I, I never talked about this on the podcast before, but I first experimented with LSD when I was like 15, 16 and um i did it a lot like as a teenager and i think that really set me up to like like you said like it really helps you cut all the bullshit out of your life from a young age i just never cared about anything it seemed like like what other people cared about like it only yeah. what what was important to me on my path was important because i had those experiences but i'm kind of jealous that i didn't get to do it as an adult because i feel like as a kid it's like you don't really have anything that you really like as an adult, I feel like you have so many things that you need to change all the time. And you're like, I need to make a change. I need to be better. As a teenager, I didn't really have anything I was looking to get out of it. And now as an adult, when I do it, I don't get that same feeling like I did before because I already kind of like used it. You know what I mean? Like my first, yeah. I already had like the gains on my first cycle and I was like only a kid, you know what I mean? Kind of. 
like thing with the yeah, drug, you know? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, sometimes I do, I, I think, oh, I wish I would have discovered certain people in my life and certain things like LSD a lot earlier. And it would have, you know, because I would consider myself like a sort of an old head on young shoulders. Like I was very self-aware of and unaware of bullshit and things like that from a, a young age, but I was still not smart enough and switched on enough to really drag myself out of the typical kind of social bubbles and the, uh, just the crap, the stuff that holds you down. Um, not like social circles, social constructs or whatever. Um, and I, and I think, Oh God, if I had that when I was 20, you know, I'd be 10 years ahead right now. But at the same time, I think, well, I, you know, I would have been a lot younger. I would have been a different person mentally and not, I probably wouldn't have used it in, in the right way. So I'm glad that I did it a little bit later where I was able to be very, yeah, like you say, just really make the most out of it for, to benefit your life and not just as a kind of a party drug. And I feel the same way about bodybuilding as well. Um, you know, most people will say, oh, what, you started bodybuilding when you were like 30? And I'm like, yeah, it sounds like, oh, he's too old. He'll never make it, you know. But I think, yeah, physically, it would, you know, if I started when I was 18, I'd be an absolute beast right now. I'd, there's no doubt in my mind I would be a very high-level competitive professional bodybuilder. You know, it's not maybe being a bit big-headed, but, you know, just on the timescale thing, and I think I would be at this point. But I could have spent possibly 10 years of just pissing around, not training properly, not eating properly, and not making the most out of, you know, the everything that I've learned. Um, so starting a bit later and being a little bit more self-conscious, a lot more disciplined, a lot more aware of what things really take, how to take things seriously, um, I think set me up mentally better to make good progress. And physically, I'm in great physical health, you know. I, will, I feel like a 20-year-old. So <laughs> well, I, <laughs> physically, I, kinda, I feel like a 20-year-old. I, I made kind of the same mistake, too, with the with the bodybuilding. Like, I, I did my first cycle when I was 21, and I just wasn't ready. Uh, I just yeah. really wasn't ready to take on all the responsibility of being a bodybuilder. And I did make good gains and good results. And I was honestly better as a natural because... It, there was less variables. And then when hormones went into play, my first cycle went well, but I didn't know what to do after that. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have somebody telling me, okay, like I took 500 milligrams test for 16 weeks. Like now what? And I just kind of went, like, I just kind of hovered around that, like slightly enhanced, like 210, you know, 200 to 210, 215, like range for a really long time. Like not really being like, I'm on steroids, like, is this not working? Like, I don't understand like what's going on. So then I just stopped Whoa. doing it. And then, and then I just took two years completely off bodybuilding. Now I'm 25 and I like have all the knowledge. Now I got to talk to guys like vigorous Steve, you know, Victor black and, and a few other guys who like helped me get the information as well as like the real bodybuilding podcast, muscle nomads, just reading stuff online. And now I'm actually able to make results sustainably now that I'm 25 and I have the money behind me and the knowledge behind me. So I, I think that young guys, it depends. Like if you, if you go full steam ahead into it and you have a mentor at 18, yeah. Like that's like, you could be like a Jay Cutler, you know, with like a Chris Aceto, if you have the right guidance, 
But if you don't, I think it's, I would caution guys to just jump in guns blazing because it seems cool, but you can burn out and then you have to reevaluate. And that takes a lot of time and mental energy as well. So I, I think that the way that you're doing it is safe and, and good for a long-term life. But I'm curious, what do you think having started so late? I know you talk a lot about professional aspirations. Like, are you looking to be an IFBB pro or like, what is your actual goal with your bodybuilding? I want to be Mr. Olympia, man. <laughs> <laughs> Next year. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, 100%. I, uh, I have, um, I don't want to say tunnel vision. I'm very focused and very confident that I can do very well in the sport. Um, just based on progress so far, how I'm, you know, just all the things that are in the mixing bowl right now. Um I'm pretty confident that, yeah, I can do some pretty good damage on a professional level stage um, within the next, say, in my mind, three to five years. I think, I think I'll be professional by next year. And then I'll have to make the most of that pro card. I'm going to have to grow into that pro card and really make sure I have a professional level physique before I do pro shows. I don't want to be one of those guys that's like... <sighs> I don't want to knock any pros or anything, but I saw shows this year, last year, where they're giving out like 15 pro cards, you know, in like one class. Like they're like classic physique divisions where the top two of every weight class was getting a pro card before they even got to the overalls. Like it used to just be well, the winner of the overall gets a pro card maybe first second and sometimes third of the overall but not the first top two of every single class do you know well, what i mean i think that's i, the, I, I think, think that in, in a, was it? callum was it callum von what's his yeah, name callum von Moser, he came yeah. sec second in his class and still got a pro card he didn't even place in the overalls <laughs> you know? but, but so the thing is though, i don't want about... to like classic though classic is like that's about making money so that's why they want to give oh, out the pro, you know what i mean but yeah, i feel sure. like it's with, the same with men's physique as well but with open though it's still hard to turn pro like nick walker just turned pro and that guy's a freak i think that i mean we're talking about the open here it's still very competitive i i don't think for it, sure it's, it's easy to get a pro card i think um i think that's why i'm drawn to it as well not just because of sort of my natural size and i think it's inevitable that you know open is for me but, you know, because I could have stayed shrunk and, you know, shrunk down a little bit and maybe done the whole classic thing. But I think you're either classic or you're not. Um, but the open is like, I, I'm, I'm a big sort of, you know, I only got into bodybuilding a few years ago. But I'll call myself like a, a purist where, to me, bodybuilding is the bodybuilders. It's the open. 212 now as well, I guess. Um, but that's it. That's bodybuilding. Everything below that is amazing like classics a great division i love classic it's really really cool and they are bodybuilders those guys are jacked and they look amazing even some of the men's physique guys at the the, the elite level are you know most of them could step on the classic stage if they train their legs a bit you know and most of them have legs but bodybuilding like there's only one mr olympia you know there's only one that's the top that's what i want um and i think 
it like it doesn't matter if you get a pro card if, even if it's easier if it's hard to get a pro card it doesn't matter it, in, in the grand scheme of things it's what you do with it there's a there's got to be thousands and thousands of pros out there that have probably never even come close to winning a pro show in years and years so it's all about what you do with it and so my my intentions and my plans are to compete a few times this year try for the pro card if i don't get it this year then next year because uh, i'm probably going to be unable to travel outside of china this year so that narrows my chances down a little bit because you know they like their home <laughs> they're, they're like their own bodybuilders yeah here i don't th- i don't think they're going to give whitey a, a pro card at their national show i mean that's um, yeah I won't, I won't i won't go into it but <laughs> like so you know if I, i'm looking at top three placings at all my shows this year i'll be happy with that so they uh, have and if IFBB. I can travel later in the year, yeah, they, they have, have IFBB shows here. Yeah, they've got two Olympia amateurs this year. Oh, two Is Olympia it- amateurs this year. They've got uh, a show called the Global Classic. I think there's three or four of them throughout the year. Um, and there's quite a lot of regional shows. There's a lot of shows actually. A lot. Th- that's Bodybuilding in China is blowing up. We don't know, it's, like, really, you don't hear about any Chinese bodybuilders. Is it very competitive? Like, do you feel intimidated by the Chinese competition? Not talking about politics-wise, but just physique-wise. Like, are they big, ripped? Do they have the knowledge that we have? Yeah, some of them are beasts. Some of them are beasts. Um, like, their, their big guy, the biggest, best one, is a guy called uh, Liu Chen Liu, Liu Chen Hui. Yeah, Liu Chen Hui. And he works with Milos. Um, big guy, nice, very nice shape. You can see why Milos likes him because he's a shape guy. Um, he la- he's only competed pro overseas once. He did a Japan show in 2018, I want to say, and he placed, I think, fifth in a pretty decent lineup. Looked good, looked really good, but needed needed to be a bit thicker, a little bit bigger. But in China, he's like a giant of a man compared to most people. And he's quite a tall guy as well. I think he's 6'1", something like that, 6'2", maybe. And uh, over here, he's a superstar. He's like Arnold. Like, he's everyone knows who he is. God knows how many hundreds of millions of followers. God knows what money that guy makes. And he's only competed professionally once. But it doesn't matter, because he was a pro, and he came from China, and he's ginormous, and the social media aspect of things over here is, you, you know, these guys get famous real fast. And with the bodybuilding industry here exploding like it is, it's, yeah, it's really cool. It's really, really cool here. I can see, bod- I can see bodybuilding here being, you know, potentially like a national level sport like any other sport. It's already televised. You know, it's, it's bigger in China than I think it is pretty much anywhere else in the world. As far as how many people know about it, how many people watch it and how big it's growing, you know, in the rest of the world, it's still a fairly underground sport. Right. Um, but here it's, I'd say it's a bit more mainstream. So it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. And there are loads and loads of shows, the competition in general, the top guys, they're pretty good bodybuilders. They're pretty good bodybuilders. Um, I fancy my chances against most of them. Um, but there's a few dudes out there which I've been on stage against a couple of times already. And yeah, they're pretty beastly dudes. 
So when people think, oh, Chinese guys are all tiny, there's no way they can be bodybuilders. No, you're wrong. I mean, Thailand... <laughs> and they have incredible genetics as well. Oh, really? Ama especially the legs, man. They have amazing leg genetics and uh, their, their insertions, the cuts, the deep, deep cuts in their muscles where all over their body, like very nice detailed bodies. Now, when they stand up on stage against, you know, a very big, you know, pro from somewhere else in the world, like maybe from the Middle East or the States or Europe, yeah, okay, you're going to see a bit of size difference there. But quality on certain body parts is really, really good, especially the legs. That so, classic um, guy, you know that classic guy, uh, Branch? Chen Kao? Uh, yeah, I don't know, his Instagram, Chen. yeah, his legs are like insane. I, I, yeah. I, I don't think he was on the classic stage this year. But he, I thought he was an open guy when I first saw him posting on Instagram. And uh, he cut down to classic and he looked great. But when he stood next to Bumstead, you could see that the thickness in the upper body, it's just never going to be on like a Bumstead level. But the legs, I would say, were probably even better than... Uh, yeah, for sure. I think he was maybe overall... Like Bumstead's always going to... You know, it's just he, he is classic, right? You know, you think of classic now, you think of Bumstead, amazing physique. But if you look at it from like a, a proportions point of view, and like the overall kind of symmetry, I think he was the best on stage, personally. Amazing physique, absolutely incredible physique, and probably the best posing routine as well. Maybe on well, rough diesel, but really really good bodybuilder um he's he's a big deal here as well obviously he's you know these top guys especially the ones that make it to the olympia there's only been a few chinese people uh they're heroes here big time so you know you see the likes of you know when you see hardy go home and there's hordes of people waiting for them and stuff it's not quite on that level yet and i'll say yet because probably will be if we get if they get a good chinese champion at that real high professional level you know placing top three winning pro shows that if, if, if this leo chen hui comes in a bit bigger and better and uh when when we're able to travel if he does some shows and wins a few shows yeah he'll he'll be an absolute hero here they they go hard for their athletes here they really really go hard and support hard for their athletes have you thought about like on a business side, how to position yourself like within the Chinese market? Because I know you speak, I heard, I saw a video of you speaking Chinese and yeah. uh, my girlfriend is Chinese. So I asked her, you know, is he good? Uh, like, is his Chinese good? I showed her the video and she, was, she, like, she was like, yeah, he, he honestly, he's for a white guy. He's very good. He he's uh, talking about chicken and rice. <laughs> so <I was> like, <laughs> sounds, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I think I was doing like a, a diet video or something. <laughs> so are you trying to break in? Because I know they have a lot of different social media channels that we don't have here, like you were talking about, that their media is completely different. So I feel like yeah. if you can position yourself there, I mean, you have a unique situation. And look, I don't think there's a single person probably like you in China at all. So uh, do you have a strategy yeah, the, there? For sure. So uh, yeah, my one of my biggest priorities social media wise is Chinese social media. Like I have a few thousand followers on Instagram, you know, and I'll post a workout and a few progress pictures and stuff up there every now and then some story stuff when I have time. Don't really use Facebook, don't use Twitter. Um, but in China, my Douyin, you know, I've got like 70,000 followers on there. 
And that was, I got that within a few months. It was nuts. So when you start putting a bit of effort into the Chinese social media and putting some good quality content on there, it's, I think it's just a numbers game. You know, there's just so many more people here active on social media all the time. Um, they're pretty obsessed with it. Um, and there's quite a few platforms, quite a lot, way more than we've got in the West. And they're all kind of interlinked as well. So, you know, you post something on this platform and it shares to this one, this one, and this one, and this one. So the outreach potential from social media is is much bigger and better and faster. Um, so I'm still trying to get my head around all of that because it is all Chinese and some of it's pretty complicated unless you, you know, you know your way around it or you're a local. Um, some of it is tricky. But I'm trying and it's getting there. And my, my kind of game plan with it, I'm already working with a, a Chinese uh, supplements brand here as well. So, you know, they're going to help me get my face out there a little bit more so people recognize me. And the overall plan right now, just for, especially for this year, is just so I'm not a stranger on stage. When I get on stage, people are like, even if they're like, ah, oh, I've seen him on Douyin somewhere before. I know him. He's from Jinan. You know, oh, that's that Yalun guy. You know, I've got a Chinese name and stuff. And if I can just get it to that kind of level this year, so I'm like, they know that I'm not just a traveling foreigner. I'm actually here. I'm doing my best to represent China. This is my home now. I consider China my home. I'm very passionate about that. Um, this country's given me a lot. And um, you know, I, love, I love it. So I want to really make sure that they feel like not one of their own. I will never be one of their own. You know, they're a very tight-knit nation. And... Um, I don't think I'll ever be accepted as Chinese, but at least, you know, the friendly neighbor who lives here. <laughs> you know, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to get invited over for birthdays, maybe Christmas. I want, you know, do you know what I mean? So um, if I can just get my foot in the door on that kind of level, just so I'm, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, I know you are. I mean, in my local city, Quite a few people know me on the social media platforms and stuff like that, so that's nice. I can I know I've noticed recently a lot that it's getting it's working, it's getting there, but it's just a numbers game. Um, so I'm try, I've got a bit of a game plan as far as a bit more outreach on the social media side of things, because to be honest, I do see it as a bit of a chore. I, ha I don't like posting this stuff all the time on social media. It's, I consider it a hard work thing, but necessary. Yeah. Um, it is what it is and it needs to be done but it's getting there and i think you know with a bit more work with it i'm going to hire like a young media student to help me sort of really crack into the doling side of things the chinese stuff that i don't know how to use you know and uh, and just keep plugging away until i'm a household name as far as bodybuilding is concerned in china and i think if i get my pro card this year or next year then that will be a huge thing, especially with the sponsors here, the uh, Oxy Energy, it's Oxy Energy, New Trend, and Olymp. They're like a little trifecta of companies, and uh, they help me out. So I'm very lucky to get any kind of sort of sponsorship help as an amateur. Um, but I guess it's because I'm a, you know, the big novelty white guy uh, in China, which helps. So I'm going to use that to my advantage, of course. <laughs> uh and yeah, you know, the more I get my, my name out there, if I get that pro card, then my stocks here go, you know, through the roof instantly. That would be great. Keep teaching my seminars, you know, keep get, getting the word out there that I am here. I'm in China. I live here. This is my home. My life's here. My wife's here. My business is here. And, um, you know, I just want to be part of it. 
especially on the bodybuilding level. That's so, that's so cool, man. Honestly, that's, that's like really awesome. Like I, I just think that you're in such a unique position and, and it's not something that at this point, I just feel like it's very ahead of its time, you know? And I feel like it's not something that you could have really done on purpose. Like it kind of just happened by accident. Um, you know what I mean? Like you went to China first, then you got into the bodybuilding side now. So it's all growing kind of like organically. And I'm like, I'm really interested in foreign markets. That's why like, I'm just really interested to hear about this. Like my, you know, degree was in international business. Um, and I went to business school in Thailand. That's like why I was there, like to study that. So yeah. I was like learning about the Thailand market and stuff like that, but they don't seem so, I don't know, Thailand is, it's definitely not China. Like they're not like, you have to make your money somewhere else and then bring it to Thailand. It's not like a place where you can kind of grow with it. Like it's already there kind of thing. You, you yeah. know what I mean? Like the, the muscle, but I do feel like muscle factory though, when I went there, it felt like, it felt like when the golden era guys talk about gold's gym back in the seventies, like I was like, this is kind of like the happening place right now. Like if you could just be here, you would probably meet so many people and get so many different opportunities, like in bodybuilding that you wouldn't have had like anywhere else. Like this is really the few kind of like the future of the sport internationally is, is here in muscle factory. That's how I felt. Did you feel like that? hundred percent. Yeah. It's definitely the Asian Mecca of bodybuilding. Do you know what I mean? It's just got that vibe. It's ticks all the boxes as far as what a gym needs um, and more, you know, Bart keeps buying more and more gear all the time for that place. <laughs> um, so it's equipment wise and atmosphere, the size of the place, just the overall feel and vibe is the best gym I've ever been to by far. Um, and yeah, it is definitely, you get that vibe. You get that kind of old school, very big tight neck community of people all there for one reason, everyone bouncing off each other. And uh, it's really cool. They've got have, a really good thing going there. Have you found anything like that in China? Like, is there like a hub or is it kind of still like disparate, you know, people doing their thing in their own gyms? There's a few bodybuilding gyms, like very sort of bodybuilding, bodybuilding gyms um, that are popping up now. Um, down south mostly, and there it's it's getting there, but for the majority of gyms, they're all like um, like chains, you know, they're all chains. They're in in malls, and you know, or they're like just okay kind of community gyms that they're fine. They're good enough to train in and do the job. I'm lucky to work in one which is very nice and has pretty much everything I need. Um, but for the most part, yeah, gyms. There's loads of them, but a lot of them are hit and miss. But it's getting better and better. And there are more and more people understanding that uh, the fitness industry here is blowing up and it's a, it's a worthwhile investment. So there's more and more money being pumped into the sport and in fitness in general. So I think that will very quickly improve across the board. So on the day-to-day, -day, you work as a trainer there, like in a, in a gym? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started off here as a teacher the typical sort of come to China and teach English as a foreign language to kids, which was great. And that was fun. Did that for like four years, my first four years here. Um, put me in a place like security wise and financially. And, you know, it was nice. I was comfortable and I could actually start to really make some good plans in my life rather than just living check to check all the time back home and, you know, you know, praying that there's some work to go to. Um, so it's, it's definitely 
took my stress levels right down doing that. But although it was a really good, fun job, it wasn't, it was never a, you know, I wasn't passionate about it. I did it and I made the best of it and I did a good job and I, you know, I had fun. But I was getting more and more clients on my online coaching side of things. And I was doing more and more sales all the time with the supplement side of things. And I was getting a good reputation locally for being, you know, as the fitness guy, as Aaron, as the, the coaching guy. To the point where there's quite a few people that just call me coach now. I'm not even sure if they know my first name. <laughs> so at least I got a decent reputation here. Um, uh, and yeah, so um, as a guy, a buddy of mine, Alex, who um, works for like a big investor guy, who's a big chain of restaurants and things. And they just built, they just bought uh, a big chain of gyms called GT Fitness. There's like eight gyms in the city. And he messaged me one day, he said, I'll come by the restaurant and um, I've got a few ideas to throw by you. And I was like, okay, sure. So I went and met up with him and we were just chatting as normal. I was expecting him to say, you know, we're, we're thinking of doing like a healthy options menu. Can you help us out with it or something? And they ended up saying, well, yeah, we just brought all these gyms and uh, we want to get you on board to uh, come in there and bring in the Western influence, make sure these gyms are running how gyms should be run and do some coaching, coach the coaches that need coaching, you know, do seminars, the training side of things as well, because they bring on lots and lots of intern coaches here just because there's so many clients they just need to bring people in to sell the classes and give them basic training um so it's a very i won't get into that side of things here but it's very very different than, than the west um but they they these guys they're enthusiastic and they want to learn for the most part and they want to improve so they basically got me in there to to help sort of up their upgrade their game a little bit and yeah, he offered me all of this and said, you know, let me know what you think. Go away, have think, think about it. And um, I was like, yeah, sure. Like, yeah, it sounds amazing. It sounds like the sort of perfect job for me. I was trying to be cool. I was trying yeah. to be like, yeah, you know, yeah, it sounds like something I could do. Yeah, you know, I'll have to, you know, run some numbers and, um, and you know, just think about it a little bit. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he gave me a lift home. And as soon as I got out of the car and he drove away, I'm in the streets like, yeah. <laughs> come on dream job right there so all the hard work over the few years before that um just doing all the online stuff and supplements getting the reputation all paid off you know none of you know someone someone hears about it someone tells someone else someone tells someone else and uh as long as you're you know you're not a knobhead and you work hard things good tend to happen so good things tend to happen so yeah, I got that opportunity and now I work in the gym pretty much full-time all the time. Got a really good bunch of clients, still do my online coaching, but it puts me in a position now where I can pick and choose when I teach and when I train, when I eat, so I can live a very good structured bodybuilding lifestyle now and get paid for it. So happy days. Yeah, that's awesome. That, you know, that's the bodybuilding lifestyle. That's kind of like why I, I started this podcast because I was having so much difficulty working my nine to five, nine to six, really. I was working at a software company and just killing myself every single day. It's making a lot of money, but there was no room for bodybuilding in my life. It just wasn't going to happen. doesn't matter how like hardcore you want to be about it when you work nine to six and you have an hour and a half commute each way. Like when are you bodybuilding really? So well, yeah, and it's just throughout the day as well, like, 
sometimes if you're working a busy job, you can't just stop and eat every couple of hours. You yeah, know, you've got to make all these allowances. So any any of these guys out there that work like you know normal jobs, normal nine to fives, construction workers, especially guys who do physical work, and they're still bodybuilders and still getting it done. Yeah, respect. You know, but like I, I was doing it my first year, my leading up to my first show, it was four four months prep i think it was um and i was teaching full time the whole time you know i was teaching a few classes every day and teaching like i don't know what it was four five six classes or something on a saturday and sunday and it was brutal absolutely brutal like the last few weeks of prep i'm like like struggling to keep my eyes open and i've got like kids running around me and i'm i'll ask a kid a question and then by the time they finished answering, I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good answer. Yeah, good, good job. That's that's right. Next question. Like, it was horrible. And that was just teaching. I was just sitting there teaching English. But just having to be focused on anything during a prep, other than bodybuilding, it was just hard, man. It was hard. So maximum respect for anyone who does that. Yeah, same. I think that, you know, in order to be a successful bodybuilder or just to be good at bodybuilding in general, you need to kind of start to structure your life around the bodybuilding and find a way to make it work for yourself because it is a very, you know, time dependent thing. And the reason that I've been asking you all these questions, because I want to paint a picture for guys of like, how does somebody go from point A to point B? You know, if someone's listening and they want to know how you made all these gains in the past two years, you know, we'll get into the obviously how you've been training, eating and what you've been taking and stuff like that. But the most important thing is like how you've restructured your life to make bodybuilding a priority. The, you know, mindset shift that you that had was, to take it seriously. Gone. Yeah. That was, that was the big game changer. Everything else aside, drugs, training, food, whatever. All that aside, I don't think any of it would have worked half as good if I didn't have, if I didn't actively restructure my entire life. Or lifestyle. Um, so timing-wise for the, the job opportunity was perfect, obviously. Um, so I was very lucky with that, you know, very lucky to get that opportunity at the time I got it. But I didn't have that for my first show. I was still working a normal full-time job. And I had to, I had to say, like, I was cutting classes. I was calling in sick days here and there. And I explained to them all, you know, I was like, look, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going through. It's going to get worse the longer prep goes on. And you know, expect me to be not a hundred percent. Same with my personal relationships. You know, it was like, don't call me, don't invite me out, don't do anything. I'm doing this thing, and just deal with it. I'll I'll see you afterwards. I'm fine. Just let me get on with it. And um, and the same with the misses as well. You know, it was like, babe, you're just gonna have to. She's never experienced that before. Or that was her first experience of any kind of bodybuilding and any kind of prep. She was panicking. There were days where she was like, I'm going to call an ambulance. And I'm like, don't call a fucking ambulance. <laughs> I'm just tired and I'm hungry and I've not got any energy to do anything. Because you know what it's like? You get so deep into a prep to the point where you can barely keep your eyes open or you can't even, you don't, you're so tired, you don't even want to talk. Like a, a simple sentence sometimes is like, you just want to sit in silence and sleep and eat and relax. I never, I've, I haven't done a contest prep. I would like to do one at some point. Um, I just feel like I've done diets, of course, to get lean. And every time I get to that point where it's like, 
that like four to six weeks out would be point. I mean, I don't have a competition on the, on the horizon. I'm just dieting for, to get leaner. Oh. Uh, and when I get to that point, I'm always like, wow, this is like horrible. I need to probably just stop. You know what I mean? Like, cause I don't have a competition to do and I'm suffering. So like, I, I should oh, probably, dude, we're going to have to, we're going to have to pick you a show and I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll do, I'll do your prep diet for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely something I, I just feel like, I feel like I'm always, I'm always like, and I know that you, you did a, sh a few shows last year and you've grown so much since then. I just always felt like when I want to step on stage, I want to do it already like complete. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do a yeah. show half baked to like, what's the point to like, right now I'm like, I woke up like 221 and I would, if I compete, I would want to compete in classic. Um, yeah. So the weight cutoff for me would be like 210 or 215. So I would really need to be like 240 or 250 to cut down to like a really good 210, 215. I'm, I'm like 510, 511 ish. So yeah. I just feel like if I'm not 250, why am I going to do a prep? Why am I going to cut down to like, you know, 190 pounds just to like be stringy on stage, like and yeah, suffer? You know what I mean? Um, what do you what do you think about? So, cause I know you took a lot of time off for the off season. Do you feel like you feel like you're good enough to get the pro card if you cut down right now? Like, what do you think you'll be weighing in at uh, after you, you know, shred down and, and have you started your next prep yet? And when is the next show? Uh, show we're looking at August, September, October time. So there's the Olympia amateur in Beijing in September. There's like a regional qualifier for that show the month before some reason in China, you have to, I'd actually, I don't think foreigners do with a foreign passport. You don't need to qualify, but for the locals, they need to qualify to just apply for the Olympia amateur. Whereas in most countries, you can just apply for any amateur show and show up. But what I think they're doing with that is because there are so many people that want to do bodybuilding and they want to try, there's a influx of people that are just getting on stage to have fun and they look like shit. So what I think they're trying to filter those people out by doing more um, like uh, regional um, qualifiers. But that company is called the DMS. I'm not sure what it stands for right now off the top of my head. But it's basically like China's version of the MP, uh, of the... Um, NPC? Uh, not the NPC. What do you call the uh, the nationals? What's the word? NCA? In the U.S., it's all M NPC and then IFBB. NPC, Nationals, Amer America. What was the one that Nick Walker won? Oh, like the North Americans, but it's it, the the federation is called the NPC. I think National yeah. Physique something. He I won think North maybe Americans. it's just their answer to that. Um, yeah, I think it's their answer to that kind of thing, you know. So they have their own kind of federation type thing here, um, and yeah, so. The Olympia Amateur in September, we're going to do that, do a warm-up show beforehand. It's depending on how the Olympia Amateur show goes, will depend on what show I do then after that. I would like to have done summer shows, because there's a really cool show down on the beach in Sanya, um, which I would have liked to have done. But timing-wise, I, I just I don't. we don't want to rush anything. We want to eke every, every last day out of the off-season as possible. Um, because, you know, although the, the progress has been amazing, you know, there's still a lot of weak areas that do need bringing up um, to be really competitive at a higher level. Um, 
I don't want to kind of just scrape by and like, oh, can't believe I got my pro card. Like I got lucky there. And then, you know, people look at you and go, what the fuck? This is a pro. Like they're giving pro cards out <laughs> to anyone these days. You know, I don't want to be one of those pro card winners. I want to be, I want to deserve it. Um, so I, I, but I do think this year, I'm very confident that my onstage look, based on what I looked like to, at my first show, and the weight gain, the muscle gain, and what you know, I've looked like this off season, I think it's going to be pretty awesome um, improvements compared to that show. So I do think it will be a pro card worthy physique. That's the goal. That's the aim. If I don't get it, I don't get it. We'll try, try again. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty good complete package. Not 100% complete, but complete enough for that for that pro card. I think we'll see. So, so in terms of the off season, like what, what did it really look like? Let's say from your last show until right now, like, did you guys do a PCT after the show? Did you just go right into putting on mass? Like what compounds were you using? How many calories were you eating? Could you just describe like the process? Cause people are going to want to know, you know, yeah, how I'll go into all the details for you. I'll run through it all. So 2019 September global classic was my first show um i came in like second from last or something like that um looked in my eyes i was very happy best shape i've ever been in you know so you've always it's everyone's first show is of course always the best shape they've ever been in <laughs> but it was just nice to actually experience that and to get through the prep and everything for the first time is such a sense of relief and achievement because it's something not not everyone can do i believe and um, I think once you've gone through your very first prep and you've made it to the stage and you look good, not just making it to the stage, actually looking pretty good on stage, that's a huge achievement. So after that was like maximum confidence. But anyway, so I did that one um, and that was straight after Thailand. We started prep. So I had no off season before that, just what, whatever size I had at the time. Um, and I started my cycle at the beginning of prep. And I started working with Steve, very, very basic stuff. Like we were just like, okay, let's try and find a sweet spot of testosterone to start with. Let's just ease your diet in. What are you eating? Let's eat you at maintenance calories. Maybe I think we actually started in a surplus, just feeding everything as much as possible. Because before that, I um, decided to do some crazy like 12-week keto thing just as an experiment. And I was flat as a pancake. Um, But... So yeah, we kind of just fed me back up a little bit, put me back on track, let the uh, let the testosterone and stuff just kick in and get high and uh, and just make sure things are feeling good and just very taking a lot of data, being very observant of, of everything. And you know, with Steve working with Steve, he's he's on everything. You know, we do our blood work all the time, and you know, we're making sure meal for meal is feeling good digesting well anything changes any changes that need to be made training luckily i've always like i said advocate a very hard heavy intense training so we didn't have to change that much steve's very much the same we train you know straight sets to failure a couple widow makers here and there maybe a couple of a bit of metabolite work here and there but for the most part the meat and potatoes of our training is very much balls to the wall train to failure and I love it. It works for me, you know, not for everyone, but it works for me. It works for him. And at the time, I think we were on just a push-pull leg split. 
Um, and then we backed it off to a five day because I responded very well to more rest. And sorry, if you can hear that, it's my cat in the background fighting. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we just eased our way through that prep and I'll cut all that off and we'll get straight into the off season stuff. Show was good. It was great. Um, after that, took a little bit of a break for a few weeks. That first show, the 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 week after the first show, I said to Steve, I said, look, I know I've heard all the stories about when people go crazy and they binge eat after shows. So I've lost the camera a bit here, haven't I? Is that better? I think you're okay. It's a little blurry, but it's okay. Yeah, it might come back. I don't know why it's done that. Oh, well. And I said to him, um, yeah, so I'm not going to go crazy after the show. I'm not going to binge eat and I'm not going to put on, you know, 20 pounds of water and get edema and <laughs> eat two, <laughs> two or three pizzas every day. And uh, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> when, the, when the show finished, I was like, fuck this. I'm eating everything. <laughs> I'm eating everything. And I went hard. I went hard, hard, hard as hell. And my dad showed up for, on a holiday, came over to watch my first show, which was pretty cool. And um, then my, my wife's family came down to Shanghai, where the show was, just for a family holiday. It was like national holiday here in China at the time. And that was great. But I ate, oh my God, breakfast buffets, bro. I was balls deep in those buffets, going hard. And I think I put on about, I think I put on about 25 pounds in five days or something like that. And it was bad. I could get like half my thumb into my shin. Oh. So that's don't. That's not very healthy. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. I felt like absolute trash. Um, but you know, you got to live and learn off those things. My first show, first rebound. So uh, it's a hormonal it was, thing, you know. I'm sure Steve probably told you too. Like I'm sure you know, like with the ghrelin and the way your hormones get fucked up for starving for so long. It's like you almost don't really have a choice and you, you've never been through it before. So it's like, it's kind of like a rite of passage. Zero yeah. Zero control over it. I really did actually consciously try to think to myself, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to keep it under control. One cheap meal a day. That's it. It's so, so hard. It's so hard. Um, but you know, it happened and it was over in a few days later. Um, and then we decided to uh, jump into a show, the Sean Roden classic in Manila uh, in December. So a couple months after. Um, so I got rid of all the water, got back in fairly decent shape, prepped into that one, that into that prep, I would say I was, uh, I was a bit lazy on that prep. I wasn't, I was trying my hardest, but I always felt like I was a bit behind. I always felt like, I wasn't coming from the best starting point and I had dieted for quite a long time all the way up until that show. Like the, we started in what, June, July, August, September. It was a long ass diet, a long time dieting. And um, I just felt, I don't know, subconsciously I felt like I was always behind a bit. And I think that maybe just didn't help with stress and cortisol and things like that. So I got to the show a few days out, started the loading process and things like that. And I was like, okay, no, things are happening. Starting to look pretty good. You know, I could go there and have a fairly decent showing and place okay, you know, just go for the experience. Had no, you know, crazy, you know, I didn't know who was going to be there. So it was like, well, you know, possibly could place pretty high. We'll see what happens. Anyway, day before the show, uh, last meal, 
go out for a burger, find somewhere nice and have a good burger, load up, and you'll look awesome in the morning. Went to the nicest gourmet burger place I could possibly find to be safe, not a streety crappy one. <laughs> and I got the worst food poisoning I have ever had in my entire life. And I just spent the whole night next to the toilet with the world falling out of my body and just throwing up all the time. It was horrible. Night before the show, night before the pissing show. That's not an excuse. It just happens. So I mean, you know, it is an was... excuse, really. I mean, it is an excuse. <laughs> it's not your fault. It it's not due to lack of, you know what I mean? Like, it's not due to lack of trying on your part. I mean, that sucks, dude. Yeah, we tried. We tried everything, you know, and then it was a case of, okay, well, you need to get some water in you. Otherwise, you're just going to be too weak to do anything. You're not even going to be able to make it to the show. So we had to hydrate when we shouldn't have been hydrating just for health reasons, you know. Mm -hmm health comes first um so we just wanted to get to the stage healthy at that point so i got there i got to the stage i, I did my thing i had fun with it um didn't look great you know obviously had it was holding water i was a bit fluffy to be expected at that point so i was trying not to overstress and just enjoy the enjoy the time but i was in, i was in quite a lot of discomfort so it was difficult to keep a smile on my face and do my routines but I ended up placing like third or something in my class. And then overalls, I think I was dead last in the overalls with about 10 people. So no big deal. But there were some really big guys there, actually. Uh, and one of them was a guy called Li Yatiang from China. He actually won it. He won the overall, got his pro card there. And he's also on the same uh, supplements company as me as well. But I've seen him recently. And now I'm bigger than him. <laughs> Which gives me a huge confidence boost going forward because I stood next to him and he looked at me and he was like, holy shit. I, was only, I only saw you like a year ago. What happened? And I was like, well, I saw you. What happened to you? He, been, he just had a massive break. He was like, I'm taking, I'm taking like a year or two oh, out. Okay. I'm like, okay. Like, I couldn't imagine doing that after just winning a pro card. I would be on, I would be on the steam train to uh, the pro shows, you know? Well, I, I actually, it, but... I just talked to a guy who just won his pro card. I don't know if you know him, Cade Zook. He, he was Cade on the last uh, episode. He won uh, in 2019 his pro card in the U.S. He's huge. He's like 300 pounds. And at, right after he won it, he was telling me he got like really depressed and like kind of has been like off. I mean, he's still been training and everything, but just been cruising for a long time after he won his pro card because he just it, he doesn't want to go into a pro show and like he know he just doesn't think that he could win like a pro show yet he doesn't want to push himself so and he's just kind of like stuck it, i feel like a lot of guys get their pro card and then they're like fuck you know what i mean like i was chasing this and yeah. now I, I don't know if i can like compete with these guys and then it, it just goes kind of so so i mean i i yeah, see yeah, i guess the longer you do it the harder it gets as well so if you do if you get to that pro level kind of physique where you do get a pro card you realize like fuck this is going to take a long time to get to that that level and uh i guess with all the momentum he probably had going into the pro show and all the improvements being made and winning the pro show and being up here and now he's got to start again from down here yeah all the way back up the ladder like getting the pro card when i get the pro card and someone asks me all right so how do you feel what's next I'm going to be like, well, this, I just completed level one. You know, I just completed the first mini boss. There's 
God knows how many more levels to go that I've got to try and complete before getting to, you know, where everyone wants to be on the, on the big stage. So, yeah, I imagine it's pretty daunting. You're going to have to have a real, real hunger and a fight. I mean, how, how long has he been bodybuilding? How long has it uh, taken to get his pro card? He, he is around your age. Um, I, I think he's in his early 30s, uh, and, but he's been doing it since like 18. And it's been like, you know, it's been like a thing to, to get the pro. I mean, you can check out the, the podcast. It'll be up next week yeah, if you I'll want watch it. to. But uh, yeah, it's like he, he just kind of outlined how long he's been doing it and and like just how much it took out. He tore his pack like right before, like the year before. Then he got the pro card, but now he has it, but he has a torn pack and he just doesn't know how much like further he can go. Got to had a kid and stuff like that. So it just like kind of becomes, you know, it, it just becomes a kind of confusing, especially with like the situation in the world right now and everything like that. I don't know. I get it. I mean, I, I personally don't have any aspirations for the stage at all i'm just trying to build up completely on the social media side i like the way that vigorous steve did it because he's a great bodybuilder never had to get on a stage and built like a good name reputation and life for himself and stuff like that but i know some people i mean i would like to get on the stage at least once but i know some people are very drawn to the stage you know and they they like that and i think for you i mean you have a big opportunity because your stage is a little different. The China stage gets you more exposure and helps you grow that way too. I think, but I think that you've, you've managed to sustain a, a really high level of motivation, you know, even after all that, those early things that happened to you, you know what I mean? Getting food poisoning and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think That's one of those things, I think I heard so many stories of people going through stuff like that. I, I, at that point I was pissed off and uncomfortable, but I was like, well, this is probably not going to be the first time that this happens at a show. You're just going to have to brush it off, you know, suck it up, get on with it, enjoy it, do the best you can and, um, and move on to the next one. So for me, it was no real big deal. Like, you know, I had a pretty good solid circle of people around me that are all very encouraging um so it did it wasn't a big deal for me that one that was kind of like an extra bonus show anyway it wasn't something it was like well there's one coming up it's only in manila it's a few hours away you know go do it see what happens kind of thing so it, it, to me it was no real big deal um but moving forward from here yeah 100 percent big deal like i'm really really uh on a train that's not got any brakes right now. It seems to be moving forward really well. I have no intention of stopping. And I guess for me, compared to that Cade guy, like, you know, 12, 10, 12 years of bodybuilding to get to that level, it's a long time. You know, it's a long time. I can't imagine, like, I can't really, you know, relate to that. I'm only two years in. So I think being as close to that level as I, well, I say it's close to that level, I might be miles away from that level. Um, but, you know, in my head, um, being within reach of a pro card, you know, after a couple of years, you know, that's nothing in the grand scheme of things. So it gives me a lot of confidence that I do have enough time to make the improvements needed to be successful as a pro if, if I get there. Not if, when. <laughs> So tell us all about the off season from that show until right now. How did it start off, and and how have things progressed? I, I'm I'm really curious about like how low, how, like where the food started and where it went. Some of your weights and training, your weight, the cycle. Like what I know, Steve takes a progressive approach. So like how how much did you have to? 
push things in order to continue growing? And how many pounds did you put on from then till now? Well, you'd be surprised because even Steve's surprised. He's like, I don't understand how you're still growing. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't need a lot of food. Um, I don't know why. I just respond very well to very little. Um, but basically the off season started with COVID for one. I was on after that, those shows, I, you know, took a couple of months out, clean out, you know, just um, on a TRT level dose of testosterone, just get healthy, get everything good. Went to Bali with the missus, had a nice holiday there, chill out for a while, spend some time on the beach by the pool. Then COVID hit. So we were like, shit, we better get back to China. Otherwise we're not going to be able to get back at all. Um, so we went back to China. Everything was locked down. You know, the lockdown was just starting, just happening. So there was no no off season to start with. I had every intention of coming back off holiday and getting right into it. So we lost about, that was from February to May, June time. So we lost that time, about three or four months of just lockdown. During the lockdown, I had access to a friend's gym in his office which was like a piece of crap, like multi-gym. He had some dumbbells up to like 20 kilos or something like that. So it was better than nothing. And I was able to at least stay a little bit active and go to his office a few times a week and just like sneak in the back entrance <laughs> and, and do a little bit of a workout. So I was very lucky with that. But it wasn't enough. I didn't have enough there to really like really make some good plans, put some plans together and make some good progression. So it's just enough to kind of, you know, keep myself from going crazy at home all, all day long. Um, so, yeah, the off season we started, I think it was like mid-May, end of May, maybe something like that, maybe even June. And it was like, OK, gyms are open. Let's get into it. And uh, so we, and I started working at the gym um, at that point as well, full time again. So it's like, OK, let's get back into this. And we started at. I think we started at about, I want to say, I wish I had my bloody plans. I would look on my phone, but I can't get it up. Um, I want to say around 3,000 calories, something like that. Something pretty, you know, easy, easily managed. Um, kept, kept it pretty standard across the board. Decent amount of protein, decent amount of carbs. Um, high fat meal, last meal, no carbs, last meal. And um, pre and post, what did I have at the time? It was a pre-workout shake in the morning, post-workout meal. I think we were doing six, seven meals a day, something like that, with a couple of shakes, including For 3,000 calories, that must have been small meals. Yeah, so we're spreading these things out to start with, yeah, for sure. Um, it wasn't a great big deal amount of food. Actually, no, it was six meals, sorry. Six meals a day, but still easy, manageable you know, meal sizes, nothing crazy there. And uh, training wise, we were straight, we decided to go um, four day split, get extra rest, extra recovery, and see how I respond to that, which worked a treat. Because yeah, that extra day of rest is, is, is been great. And I get more than enough work done on those four days. Just go hard. Um, so yeah, around about 3,000 calories, we started out something like that. Test, um, testosterone only at that point at the beginning. A um, couple of IUs of GH before bed every day, a little bit, just for, 
you know, health purposes and longevity stuff more than anything on, on that kind of dose. A little bit of fat loss, get rid of some fluff, um, nothing crazy. So we ate ourselves in, recomped a little bit, make sure we we're looking in decent shape. No crazy fat loss diet. Started straight in with the recomp, started looking good, and then gradually increased calories from there. So a few months goes by, really, really good progression in the gym and training. So I've lost the camera again here, and I, I don't know why it does that. Um, really good progression in strength and everything like that. And um, a few months goes by and we get the food up to like 4,500. So still in bodybuilding terms, not a massive amount of food. Um, but I was growing and I kept growing and I was growing fast and looking good, looking very good, looking very round and very full. At this point, we've added in uh, Primo. Um, so we're on test and primo, 600 and 600, uh, three times a week, spread across three times a week. So 600, 600, 1200 total. And uh, a few I use a GH. And yeah, amazing results. Super simple, very, very easy to manage. Um, Aromacin is my AI twice a week at that point, 12.5 twice a week. Um, really good blood works fine everything's healthy i'm full as a house all the time training progression is really good i'm getting the food in i'm not a big foodie guy so increasing calories is pretty difficult for me i have to really force it down um so it's really a case of just i think this off season we've gone through maybe like three or probably like three or four recomp phases where my weight has stayed the same but I've just grown into the weight really well and looked better and better. And that sometimes took a couple of weeks, sometimes took, you know, three or four weeks. And then it was, then my weight would start gradually going up again, or we would boost the calories a bit, but it's very, um, uh, very controlled, very progressive in the, in the diet and uh, nothing crazy, no huge, great big jumps, no huge changes in macros and micros, just small, subtle changes that Steve makes depending on, you know, overall calories and how I'm looking and what needs feeding and what doesn't. Um, and that, yeah, the progress has been nuts and people are like, what? So, you know, how much are you doing of this, 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 and this, and this, and they list off four or five different things. Let's see if I can get this back. Four or five different things. And I'm like, no, it's just, just test and primo, test and primo. It's all you need. And um, so that's been great. Um, and then we decided to, okay, so I, I struggled at about, where was I? I think I was at like 116, 117 kilograms, something like that, whatever that is in pounds. And 250. Something like that, yeah. yeah. 255-ish, something like that. And um, feeling good, strength was good, but I couldn't break that weight. And we upped the calories a little bit. Still, I was just kind of recomping into that weight all the time. I was just feeding the recomp which was great because I looked really good and I was staying very healthy. I tried not to obsess too much on the, the weight on the scale because it doesn't really represent your body composition. You know, 118, you know, some people will stand on a scale and it will say 118, but they look 140, you know? So it's, it's one of them. It's just how you hold it. And luckily for me, I was holding it pretty well and recomping really well. So I was very happy with that. But we, I wanted to get a push. I wanted to get over the 120 mark and hold that for a, a couple of months and recomp into that weight. So I know I've got that muscle. I've held on to it. My body's used to it. 
and then we can diet down to you know maybe the 110 range for a show so we added in the uh the final part of the the trifecta which is a little bit of a, a bit of lantus long long acting insulin there um so nice easy to manage nothing crazy you know half a, a dozen i use in the morning take me through the day just to help with a little bit of nutrition uptake um gh at the right time more i think at that time i was doing just morning and evening um and yeah again very healthy blood pressure was good everything's good markers were good felt good progression was there and didn't really have to keep boosting calories we've only recently a month ago i think boosted from 4500 up to 48 47 or 48 and it's like oh, jesus christ i'm sick of eating <laughs> and um he's like what, what are you talking about i've got he's got i've got guys on like six seven thousand calories that are, you know that aren't as heavy as you and uh he's like i don't understand how you you're growing so much on such little calories i'm like me neither but i like it because i don't like eating <laughs> which is probably going to be a huge downfall for me in, in the future i'm going to have to learn how to eat more um, I guess it's just, I think dieting as well is very much like any part of bodybuilding. It's just practice. I've only been doing this two years, you know, eating that amount of calories that consistently for that long. It's not something you're going to learn in one off season. You know, the first one's going to be really challenging. Second one might be a little bit easier. Third one might be even easier, you know, and after that, it might be a case of, okay, yeah, off season eating is, you know, it's a lot of food, but I'm used to it. This, this is my very first real structured off season with a coach and it's yeah it's pretty hard like i'm really looking forward to starting dieting it's just constant food most of the time um and again we haven't upped any of those dosages that i mentioned no need found a sweet spot happy with that and uh and just growing really well on that right now um right now i'm actually off off the lantus uh at all just cleaning out a bit of sensitivity from that um, waiting for some more to show up as well. So it's just testing Primo, just cruising on through. Was the Lantus uh, every day or just on training days? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't do it on rest day. Yeah, I wouldn't do it on rest day. I would do it on, so Monday, Tuesday. That's No, sorry, my work day is, yeah, when Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Friday Saturday, and then Sunday's my day off of everything. So I'd have like two days there where I where I don't use it. Um, so yes, mostly on those training days or the day after a heavy training day where I still want the nutrition uptake. Um, but yeah, very, very moderate, very modest doses. Nothing crazy, no crazy, uh, nothing considered dangerous, you know? Everything's considered very sort of mild. Most of the things I do are considered very low dose, I would say. Com yeah, compared I would to say most so. Builders. Compared to most bodybuilders, my size and my weight, my food and my supplements, um, very, very low. But for me, very effective. So I'm happy with that. You know, I think we're going to really make the most out of everything before increasing. I think people increase way too fast. They're like, just add more, up the dose, up the dose, up the dose. You know, but what, what it seems to be with me is that we're finding like, okay, well, this is working. You're growing well, you know, way past our expectations. So why you know if it ain't broke don't fix it right yeah i think considering all that stuff i mean 
I would be very optimistic as well if I were you, because it's so low at this point. You've only been doing it for a few years and you're already seeing weights that guys really tried to reach for a long time. So, I mean, when you start taking real pro, you know, dosages like in the two to three grams range, if that ever even needs to happen, I mean, it's going to yeah, be. Well, it may not range. need to happen. I think, you know, I think people, um, there's, there's that point of sort of no return, right? There's a point of no results, you know, when you're not going to keep up in the dose, but it's not really doing you any benefit apart from killing your bank account. Um, so I think as, as long as this sort of sweet spot that we found is working, then why change it? Because we've still got plenty of room to up the calories. I'm only on 4,000 bloody 800 calories, which are um, no bodybuilders that would laugh at me and call me a pussy and say, that's breakfast. <laughs> you know, and I spread I spread that out over six meals a day. I so, mean, I don't think it's that little though. I listen to you know, like on the real bodybuilding podcast, like Ian and 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 Hunter Lebrod. I remember we were talking about their diet, and they were saying like their off season, they were eating about fifty five hundred or something like that. I mean, I yeah. think like the seven eight thousand sort of thing is kind of like a marketing get like gimmick. Maybe some guys have to eat that much, but I would say that most most like the, pros. What's his name? Jamie, Jamie, the giant probably needs yeah, to eat yeah, like, yeah. calories. 8,000. Um, yeah. But yeah, most, you know, again, I think it's finding those sweet spots where, especially now that a lot of uh, bodybuilders like staying a little bit leaner, you know, they don't, a lot of them don't really like breaching that 15% body fat mark. It's a very nice, comfortable place to be where you feel healthy and you can still make great progress, which I think is a really good, healthy option. Um, and yeah, so you don't need to be, going too crazy on the calories you know we're not we're not all big rammies we don't need that kind of food um although i heard he's like a hyper responder to food as well he doesn't need a massive amount compared to his considering his size but you know on these calories on on, on these dosages and like i'm still working full-time and things like that but i'm managing everything around the bodybuilding as best as i can you know some days i'll have to force in an extra client or two or I'll have a long meeting or something like that and things maybe a meal has to take an hour, you know, an hour later. Um, but for the most part, it's pretty much on point all the time. Uh, and that's been the biggest game changer in results. I noticed that big time. Um, my biggest challenge right now is what I'm trying to manage is recently has been going quite well. I was just managing my sleep a little bit more. I go to bed quite late and I wait, sometimes wake up quite early. So I would like to get an extra hour hour and a half, two if I can, of sleep consistently daily. And I think that will help massively as well. So, you know, one thing at a time, but it's getting there. And just for reference, I've gained, I was 100 kilograms on stage for my first show. I'm 121 kilograms now. And I am probably around about 12-ish percent body fat, something like that. So pretty good on point made some pretty considerable gains i think when, when we get down to stage weight i'm looking at maybe 110 would be nice 108 to 110 i think i'll be happy with that you know that's a good 20 pounds in that, june july august september yeah. october november december january eight months 20 pounds in eight months first off season I'm, I'm happy with that i can't complain with that and healthy so I think it'll be really interesting to see your progression because, you know, we don't, we don't get to see a lot of guys historically like starting out and then coming up, 
like from the beginning to kind of like the pro card and then into the pro thing. That's like more of a recent phenomenon, you know, like 10 years ago, we didn't have people documenting their journey from the beginning. So when you're, when you're talking to me about, you know, what you're taking and what you're doing and stuff, what I'm, what I think is, you know, it's, it's genetics really that that's making you grow so fast. I mean, there's really no other, there's really no other factor in there. I mean, Steve's obviously a great coach, but I think that, you know, he's even shocked that you're growing so fast. So there's no kind of like magic bullet here. I mean, you're using all the things that bodybuilders use at, at a yeah. certain point. Um, obviously, the, the same thing everyone else uses, but way less and probably two or three compounds less as well. So I know some bodybuilders that are on a cocktail of four or five different compounds throughout the entire off season. Like, how do you even know it's working? <laughs> you know, I'm on two and I'm like, is it the test or the Primo? You know, that's, a, that's enough for me to think about. I don't want to think about more than that. But uh, yeah, definitely there's that genetic factor. It's just this part of it. I think if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for getting a bit of reassurance about that based on what I looked like in Thailand and the guys taking a good look at me and saying, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down, like, yeah, go for it. Or, you know, you can try, but don't get your hopes up. Um. So, yeah, I, there is definitely a genetic factor in there. But I think I've known that since a young age. Because although everyone grows very fast when you get, you know, your newbie gains, but I remember specifically one rugby preseason where I hit it really hard. I was eating tins of mackerel and like, um, what do you call them? Uncle Ben's microwave rice bags. <laughs> um, like... Three times a day during the work, every morning I was having like a big mixed shake, like a homemade mascana with oats and whey and all kinds of stuff in there, peanut butter and everything, you know, the classic homemade mascana. And then in the evening, I was smashing chicken and sweet potato and, a, and a, you know, a pile of spinach that could fill a suitcase. Because that's at the time I, I had the basic idea of nutrition, but nothing you know, substantial that I didn't really know what I was doing. I just knew that this looked more like a bodybuilding diet than what I was eating before, <laughs> but it was working. It was working. We were training. Like I was in a construction job at the time. So I was, you know, doing hard graft all day and then finish work, hit the gym in the evening and just go and absolutely crush it in the evening. Like just balls deep, everything's a failure. And, uh, I was growing really fast. And I remember that the rugby season started and I showed up. I'm in the changing room shirt off or whatever. And everyone's like, oh yeah. So what are you on then? How much gear are you taking? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I had no idea about anything back then. I had no idea. Absolutely no idea about anything. I knew there was one other guy on the team. Um, uh, I won't say his name. I'm not sure if he's open about it or not. But um, this was ages ago. He doesn't play rugby anymore. Um, but he was jacked. He was a prop. He was jacked. And he had big old traps and massive chest. And uh, as a short guy, actually looked a little bit like you, but shorter <laughs> and like super jacked. And um, yeah, and he, I just thought, fucking hell, yeah, I want to look like that. Like he's massive. All I knew was that he's definitely not natural. What he was taking, how much he was taking, I had I had no interest and no idea at that point. I, all I knew is that I'm just going to keep eating what I'm eating, keep taking my protein shakes, keep taking my creatine, and uh, and I'm growing and it's working, you know. And it was my first 
it was a preseason for the rugby season and it wasn't like structured as in I didn't have any plans or anything written down. I just worked hard and it, and I blew up fast compared to everyone else really fast. So I knew like I've got a genetic potential to put on muscle very, very quick. So um, I kind of knew that, but I wasn't sure how I was going to respond, how that was, what was the response was going to be like at 30 and, uh, and not starting my first cycle until 30. Cause I don't really know what to expect. You know, am I just going to, is this going to take ages? Have I already missed my kind of genetic window? Am I going to blow up? I had no idea. So I was just trial and error really, and just see what happens. Luckily it's been pretty damn good. I think uh, you've, you've got a lot of confidence since then. I can see, I want to ask you about, I know that a lot of the um, GH com- that we use, you know, comes for, out of China and you mentioned GH is the GH that you're using there. Is it like pharmaceutical grade or is it the generics, the Chinese generics? And what do you think about that? Like maybe having more experience on the ground? Yeah. I mean, most of the stuff here, there's a few, there's a few labs. Um, there's, there's, I know a couple of guys that import, um, because you know, a lot of people that don't really want to use the Chinese generics, but in reality, it's all made here. I think even the raw materials that are used in American made or English made products, all the rules have come, they come from China. Um, so I think it's just the manufacturing process. You have to be careful of, you know, what kind of vials they're using, the seals, how well it's handled, how well it's stored. These are the things I think that provide the most problems. And obviously the carrier oils, you know, the better carrier oil you can find, the better, you know, the better you're going to be. Um, there's a, it's tough. Like I, I have my contacts. I know there's way more people here that are selling it, but there's so much shit on the market. It's unbelievable. I don't even bother with looking at any of it. I know what I can get my hands on. I know what works for me. I know what shows up well on my markers and that's it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I get phone calls and text messages and emails and stuff all the time from God knows how many different sellers for enhanced supplements. And all the ones I hear from in China, like they're either supplying the same stuff that's already available, I've already have available or all these, there's lots of brand new labs popping up all the time in China. And they're like pop-up, <laughs> pop-up steroid labs. They're open <laughs> for a few weeks. They manufacture as much as possible. And then they burn everything, close down and disappear. But you know, the quality of this stuff is just not going to be good. Um, so, you know, you, I think we have pretty much the same access. If you if you look around and you get the right sources, we have access to probably what most people worldwide have access to. Um, but unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there just sell whatever crap they can get their hands on. So people who don't have the contacts or the, the know-how, they just kind of uh, they end up taking God knows what. I haven't had any experience myself with any of these i've just heard stories um as far as i can tell with like gh i mean yeah i mean your pharma grades always going to be better you can get it it's very 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 expensive extremely expensive um and you've usually got to have to have someone who knows someone at a hospital um so it's a little bit touchy and tough to get but you know the ugl stuff here is what it is 
There's a couple of brands we like to use. It seems to work, you know. We've done a tests and things like that to see if, just to make sure what's fake and what's not. Um, but yeah, potency-wise, compared to pharma-grade stuff that you can probably get any, anywhere else in the world, yeah, it's going to be not as good. But you ha you make do with what you've got and do your best, right? That's interesting because I know there's like a big, you know, always a debate about pharma versus, you know, generic GH. And I know Vigorous Steve, you know, always preaches pharma, but obviously not yeah. everybody has the funds or the, you know, access for that. And just, a lot of just access. I say to him all the time, I'm like, mate, I would love, I would love to. I was like, <laughs> but I can't. I'm, I don't live in Thailand where you can get it over the counter. You know, he's, he's in a great situation there. Here, it's impossible, you know. It's impossible to get, so it's just not an option. You just got to deal with what you, what you can and what you can't get. And in, in America, you know, there's clinics on every street now. You know, you can just go in there and say, you know, I can't get a hard on, I need TRT, you know, 600 megs a week of it. And then, the, you know, they'll just prescribe that it's for not, you. Happy it's days. not like that. It's not like that. Come on. Everyone's got it. Everyone's, Everyone's got okay. it, but 600 milligrams a week, they were not going to prescribe oh, no. you that. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you you I'm might get two, you, you, you'll get 200 might a get week. Two a push. Yeah, you'll get 200 a week and you'll pay like 100 to $150 a month for it. So yeah. it's like. You know, at least it's, at least it's going to be good gear, right? Yeah, that's true. But like, I think we have like a thing like you can you can fly in with stuff. So like you can go to Mexico, get like some tests and like, as long as it's pharmaceutical, yeah. not like Just underground. Carry a prescription with you. Yeah. If it's like Rotex or if it's like, uh, you know, whatever pharmaceutical brand like that they have down in Mexico with Sustanon and stuff like that. And you can take uh, Rotex in from Thailand or whatever, I think. I know in the UK, you know, it's very open. So you kind of missed out on that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I missed out on all of that. Yeah, big time. I'm gutted. <laughs> but, um, yeah, in the UK, it's just personal use, you know. If you want to use it, use it. It's fine. All right, um, man. It's, it, yeah, it's like rules and laws here. It's very much like, well, there's laws, but it's uh, it's fairly relaxed. I think they're just trying to get the big the big sellers the illegal sellers and factories they're always trying to shut those places down but you know legit labs you know for instance like pharmacom or something like that like a big lab or say i think cafe is a big one in asia elefarm um zendeva which i actually think is in the uk now um you know these are some of the bigger name brands that tend to provide slightly better quality than some of these really small labs mate i've i've had people send me pictures and be like look my buddy's just got this new um this new gh from this uh, lab that's just been set up it's like a completely unlabeled box unlabeled vials could be anything could be anything could be a little vial full of salt and sugar who knows <laughs> it's like i'm not buying any of that crap i'm not even going to risk it so it's it's here and it's it's everywhere so you just got to be smart about your decisions with it that's definitely one of the one of the considerations i think like especially moving to asia or living in different countries and like you know sourcing is a part of bodybuilding in the us it's very easy 
Um, yeah. But in other countries, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious about about the generics from China because, you know, everyone's doing generics these days. It's very rare that you find someone who like runs legit pharmaceutical, you know, GH or gear, whatever. Like, I know that some people are like big snobs about it and they'll only take pharma stuff. But like, let's be honest, most of the guys on the Olympia stage have taken all different kinds of, you know, yeah. UGL pharma, I'd, I'd be surprised they could get their hands on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's one of them. You just make do of, of what you what you've got, and just be safe. You know, go and get your blood work done. You know, make sure you're good. Get your CRP your CRP checked if you're using like you know slight not great carrier oils. Make sure your your inflammation levels and stuff are good, and check all the normal markers that you should be checking, and just keep on top of your shit. I think the problem people make is the you know there's too many guys out there just buy any kind of crap. They don't know what they're doing. They're thrown together all kinds of crazy cocktails. You wouldn't believe some of the cocktails I've heard about that people are taking from beginners to advanced guys. I'm just like, what the fuck? And uh, they just take way too much crap and they don't really know what they're taking. They don't know how to explain it. You know, they don't really know what's going on internally. Oh, yeah. I, I say, Have you got your blood work? Do you want me to take a look at your blood work for you? You know, just double check things. Just winging it. Most people are just winging it. So it's, you know, but it's up to them. You know, you want to do it properly, do it properly. If you don't, then, you know, if you get ill and you get sick and you fuck yourself up, then it's your own fault. I think it takes a lot of time and you got to be into it to even have the uh, reference to understand that you need to get blood work and you need to do all this stuff and what's safe and what's not. It takes time to meet the people, to have the conversations and get into the, you know, private circles that, or maybe not even private, but just like to find like a podcast like Muscle Nomads or like this podcast or like the real bodybuilding podcast doing a great service. But like a few years ago, there was nothing like that. And there's really no way to know that the best thing for you to do isn't to just take all the gear that the guy down at the gym told you to take and never get a blood test. Like you wouldn't really know any better if you're just yeah. like a gym rat who wants to be a Mr. Olympia. So yeah, for sure. I feel sorry for some of the guys, especially a few years ago that started. And they're already a few years deep into like God knows what, taking God knows what. Because yeah, you're right for exactly what you just said. But yeah, shout out to everyone doing the good, the good information these days. Like there's so much good information out there. There's so many people giving like good, correct information. And it's there. The information is there. The educated people are there. They're providing all of this information online all the time for free. You know, and it's just a case of are you being lazy or do you just really not know? It's one of them. It's like most people are on YouTube these days, Googling and YouTube and everything they can try and find out about. If you search any kind of anabolic compound on YouTube, at some point you're going to come across a video that is smart and it is going to tell you, you need to go and do your blood work. Less is more. Don't do this. Don't do that. Maybe do this if you're ready. Make sure your diet and training is in place first. Make sure you've reached some kind of natural potential first. But that's not what people want to hear. These young kids want results and they want it fast. So they're more likely going to listen to fucking, you know, I don't know, some bullshit guy on YouTube, <laughs> you know, just saying, oh, take fucking 3,000 grams of this. And, you know, ugh. it's crazy. There's so many good ones out there now. In fact, I'll just shout out a couple, if you don't mind. Yeah, Obviously, no Vigorous Steve. You know, we've both probably learned from very similar sources of people. I was very lucky that Steve is my first coach. 
to be set on such a good, healthy, and uh, effective path with the most deep. I've seen a lot of other coaches, um, like plans and things they put in place. Steve's detail is on another level compared to anyone I've seen. And uh, so I'm very, very lucky that, you know, my boy Rocco hooked me up with, uh, you know, meeting those guys. Because I think that set me up really well for for success or hopefully success. I don't want to sound big headed like an asshole. I know I probably sound maybe a bit too overconfident, but I've got to be like that. I have to be overconfident. Otherwise, you know, I never, I don't want any doubts in my mind. Um, but yeah, to be with people like that and the people I, I have helping me is, is huge, massive, massive uh, advantage, I think. But you know, you've got people like that. Steve's also, um, you know, done work and I think is going to be working more with um, Derek from More Plates, More Dates. Um, amazing source of information for people that have heard that name and only ever seen like, you know, the clickbait videos of the rocks, you know, steroid cycle. <laughs> Just skip through those ones and go and check his channel out because his channel's really, really good and you'll learn a lot and you'll probably save yourself a lot of issues. Um so, you know, he's a really good one. Obviously, all of Fuad's stuff, you know, the bodybuilding and bollocks, the real bodybuilding podcast. It's just bodybuilding with um, Big Ron and Dusty. Um, so many out there. Dante, Dante Trudeau, he doesn't post a lot on YouTube, but, you know, just scroll through his Instagram stuff. He's got some really good, good detailed article things that he posts every now and then. Really kind of game-changing information for a lot of people. There's a lot. There's a lot, a lot of uh, really cool guys. Most of the decent bodybuilders these days have podcasts. Most of them are switched on smart, educated people these days. They're not just meatheads taking everything and anything, you know. So make sure you do your homework and, you know, just get a little base knowledge of things before you go diving in the deep end. You know, you're not going to go skydiving without a few skydiving lessons first. Oh, and Steve's ebook, vigorousSteve.com. He's got a whole series of ebooks that he's just released. They're amazing. 20 bucks a pop or something like that. Some of them cheaper, some of them a little bit more. Everything, everything on these subjects that you need to know, training, diet, nutrition, anabolics, everything in so much detail with plans, protocols, the works. It's all there in these ebooks. So, you know, save yourself a lot of searching around, a lot of hours online spend 20 bucks, you know, and get all the information there in a massive ebook. I got to say, you, you got it. You have to, uh, that was a good, good pitch for vigorous Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it, man. He's helped me out so much. If I can put on 20 pounds in freaking seven months and stay leaner than I was before, then he's doing something right. <laughs> when, when I met him in, in Thailand, he was so generous with his time with me, talked to me for a long time. I basically explained to him completely the situation that I was in at the time and how I wanted to do bodybuilding. And I just wasn't sure where to go. Like I was unsure about my direction in my life and like how it would all fit together. And he really like just did a deep dive into my life put everything in the right place for me, gave me some really good advice. And I listened to exactly what he told me to do. And his advice, I'm not going to say it changed my life because it didn't change my life, but it set me on a different, slightly different path than I would have gone on just doing my own, you know, decisions. And I feel like he's somebody that you can really trust with, like asking him like, hey, man, 
I'm not sure what to do. Like, wh where do I go from here? He has a very cerebral mind that can put all the pieces together for you and help you take the right path that you need to take. And that's like a very unique skill. And I think that's why a lot of people are really gravitating to his YouTube channel now, because it's about all different kinds of stuff. And he really just helps people piece the whole picture together. It's not just about, you know, how much testosterone to take, but it's, he really takes a very holistic approach when he, when he's talking to somebody. And I appreciate that. Yeah. He's very, very good at that. He's very good at um, making you realize, like I said before, like just filling in lots of blanks, whether it's to do with your life, your lifestyle, where you're going wrong, where you do, where, where you're doing things right. He's just, he's a very good guide in general, not just on diet and training and supplements. Just in general, he's a very good um, good person just to follow and see how he does things. And it really puts a lot of things in perspective where it's like, okay, I just need to work a bit harder on certain things and put some a, a slightly higher level of effort in with this, this, and this, and the results will come. He's a very no-nonsense guy but also very understanding and aware of other people's lives and situations. And, you know, and he's, and he's very good at managing that for different kinds of people. I think at the same time is still important that, you know, no bullshit, just get the work done, you know, no fluff, get it done. Um, yeah. Absolute game changing person in my life for sure. Probably the number one, game-changing, influential person directly with my life and my progress in the last couple of years, for sure. So, uh, yeah, and I think you'll probably see him. I know he's working with more and more YouTubers and stuff now. He's putting in the hours there. You know, it won't be long before you see him getting featured and things on some of these really big ones, like the Fuad stuff, and, you know, it's just bodybuilding because the name is growing and growing and growing, especially now he does, like this last year, what he's managed to put online is insane especially on YouTube. Like I've never seen someone put out so much volume of good information. It's incredible. Um, so I think he'll be, uh, you know, a very well respected, highly respected coach. Like we respect him by a lot more people. So hopefully that his information does just naturally organically get to everyone that needs it. And I like that. I like the dynamic and I don't want to keep you too much longer because we're coming on two hours, but I like the dynamic between like you guys, you know what I mean? Just, just on a personal level. Cause it's cool. Like there's like the coach and then there's like his athlete that's like pushing it, you know what I mean? And I feel like there's a lot of like cool in bodybuilding history kind of combinations like that, where they work together for a long time and, and you see the athlete really growing with the coach. And I think that, you know, it's kind of cool to see that. I feel like, I don't really see, I would like to be a part of something like that too, but I don't really see myself as an athlete really. Cause I'm, I don't have like uh, competitive aspirations at all, but I'm like jealous. But now that I started online coaching a few months ago and I'm really enjoying it, I'm really enjoying coaching guys. And I think that I've learned, I learned a lot from coaching, just from talking to Steve and listening to how he talks to people, like, and how he talks to you on YouTube. It's just like very, like, like you said, a coach needs to be somebody that like understands what the person's going through that you're talking to, understands how to fill in the gaps and stuff like that. So I think yeah. I'm really liking the the coaching side more than like the athlete side, but you know, I'm very young still and I'm, I'm still trying to learn. That's why I want to get guys like, like you on and you just start somewhere, man. And stuff. 
you've got to start and learn. I mean, you can have all the knowledge and everything, but it's that real practical experience that kind of helps you like own your, own your craft. Um, Cause everyone's got a different style. Every coach is different. They'll deal with clients in a very different way. Like Steve, for me, we're like good mates, but he's very much a mentor. You know, he's still very much Mr. Miyagi and Daniel son, apart from he looks younger than me <laughs> somehow. <laughs> um, recently. <laughs> recently. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so, but you know, you'll have, you'll find that you have different kinds of clients. You'll have clients that you just kind of gravitate towards and because they might have a very similar outlook on life or training as you do. So it's very easy to, easy to coach clients that you just kind of get a good um, rapport with. And then you'll, you know, you'll have the clients that are just like, okay, I just need to treat this client like a job because they, they need a certain amount of attention, but like they need telling. They need direction. They need, you know, they need someone who's going to really sort of kick them up the ass. And then, you know, so there's those kinds. And then there's the people where it's like, yo, high five, good job. You know, you're killing it. Um, you know, go away, do it again for another week. Tell me how it goes <laughs> next week. You know, and they'll send you progress pics and like we'll do a bit of banter, funny jokes, a few memes. And, uh, and everything will be on point. And then you make the updates and stuff and adjustments to diet and training as necessary. You just kind of just got some clients will just be like another mate online, you know, another mate on your phone. And some clients will be, you know, co totally in the dark. You might hear from them like once every couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, where have you been? Like, did you go on holiday or something? And like, no, everything's fine. I'm good. I'm cool. Yeah. Did this, made gains, strength's gone up, feel fine. I'm like, oh, okay. Let's add some more calories. Crack on. <laughs> and then they disappear again for like two or three weeks. I don't even know if these people you know, have the time as this clients. I don't even know if they're still clients or if they've given up or started. It's very difficult to keep checking in and managing with people. I'll give people like a time period. It's like, you need to check in with me by this time, you know, because the chances are I'm going to be too busy dealing with check-ins to make personal phone calls to everyone to remind you to check in. So, you know, put it in a diary and get it done. But some people just don't like the, the extra attention. They don't need it. They just need a plan, pointing in the right direction, and they're gone. They're off. You know, and some people need daily attention. It's different. So it's all good. But Steve is very much there anytime I need him. Like I try not to bother him too much, but um, he's always there. You know, he'll reply every single time on point. So do you do you feel like? I know you don't really like market yourself as a coach that much. It seems like you're more, you more post about your athlete, like your athletic, you know, progress and stuff like that. Do you see yourself transitioning to being a coach full time? Like after bodybuilding is over? Uh, maybe. I don't know when that would be. I haven't even, I don't have that end in sight right now. I'm just bodybuilding mode. My, my goals are nothing but to get on the stage. I enjoy coaching but I'll keep my clients down to a, a limited number that I can easily manage. Um, so I'm not, you know, taking on more than I can handle or adding to my stress. Uh, Cause it's not about the money. I do it because yeah, the money's great. Extra little bit of income, but I get pretty paid well by my, by job. So I coach cause I like it. It gives me something other to focus on than just my normal job. Although I'm a coach in my normal job as well. It's a little bit, <laughs> a little bit different. 
Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a slightly different um, kind of, I don't know, it just feels different online than it does in the gym. Both have their positives and negatives. So I like having both both different variations, but I enjoy it. But, you know, and I think right now, unless I really had to, I don't think I would do it full time, um, just online, I mean. Um, I like my schedule, my timetable, and my own goals are priority number one. Um, obviously, my clients, they do get as much time as they need, but my own goals and that I want to keep that momentum going. So I don't see anything past bodybuilding right now. Now, don't get me wrong. I will have things set up and put in place for when that day does come. But right now, I don't even want to think about that. Mm-hmm. All right, man. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Like, just we got into everything that I wanted to get into. The stories, super interesting, everything about China. And we got to see, you know, how'd you made all those gains? I think I think people will be let down, you know, I think they, they were hoping that you would tell them some crazy, some crazy numbers, but uh, you know. <laughs> some it, secrets. <laughs> you know, it is, oh, I'm sure I'm gonna get a lot of messages about Lantis now, but but uh, I, you know, that's that's really not the thing at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's really no, 100% been, not. It's really no, just been I mean, the lifestyle, the training hard, eating a lifestyle, you know, just that's it. It's the normal things that everyone hears all the time that they don't want to hear. Everyone's listening out for something different, you know? So, you know, with anything, I mean, it's just having the right guidance, sacrificing the right things as well. You know, it's, it's I didn't just smoothly transition into this kind of lifestyle and everything fell into place. I had to drop everything. There's a lot of things I had to give up and a lot of things I had to sacrifice, uh, including my entire previous life, you know, in a different country, my family, friends and everything to put myself in a place where, you know, it's, it's more of a reality for me. And I'm able to not only afford to be a bodybuilder, just kind of be in a space where I can be very focused on it without distractions. And, um, so yeah, it's definitely something that's having that lifestyle here has definitely been a massive reason why I never went home. Um, I still haven't gone home in six years. I haven't been back to the UK. I'm just I'm too in the zone. I'm too much in the zone and I'm terrified to leave the zone, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I think for people, it's just a case of just finding a rhythm, finding a timetable that you can really stick with, finding a diet that works for you, a workout plan that it's challenging with not too much fluff and it's progressive and don't be scared to rest more. Recovery has been a huge game changer, huge game changer. Extra recovery has been like, you wouldn't believe game changer. And I think there's so many people out there, unfortunately are like, fuck that. I rest when I'm dead. You know, rest day is chest day. (laughs) You know, it's like, come on. So, you know, prioritize the right things you should be prioritizing and, and the results will come. And, uh, you know, as far as supplements are concerned, less is more. Start simple. Give yourself, you know, if you set your ceiling too low straight away by taking a whole bunch of different shit you don't know about, where do you go from there? You can't. There's nowhere to progress. You've killed yourself off before you've even started. So, you know, start small. Be safe. Do your homework. Seek good professional guidance. Get your blood work done. Be a good bodybuilder. Be a smart bodybuilder. And uh, and hopefully you'll do well. I mean, obviously, it's like me preaching like I'm some old veteran <laughs> pro. 
at all. I'm, I'm just getting started. But like I said before, I've had very, very good guidance and I've learned some very, very good things that I'm very happy I have in mind as I do start my bodybuilding career. So if I can pass that on, I will. A lot of people that listen, you know, might not be so even as far along as you, you know, been training a long time. So it's useful advice. Um, any final words where to find you if people want to reach out to you for coaching or just to get to know you any better? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty active, uh, fairly active on uh, Instagram most of the time. It's just Aaron Burke, built by AB. Um, built by AB. AB stands for Aaron Burke. So, um, yeah, I kind of ripped that off of Jordan Peters. I liked his trained by JP thing. And I was thinking... <laughs> I like that. How can I steal that? <laughs> so I just came up with Built by AB. Um, yeah, coaching, like I said, I don't really promote the coaching and things like that on Instagram. I just let it organically grow. I've got enough clients. I don't need to be doing all these, you know, too much advertising and super sales and, you know, print and play 12-week challenge programs. I'm not interested in any of that. I like good clients that work hard and I'll give you the time. And, you know, just... Word of mouth usually gets me enough clients. Um, so I don't really post a lot of stuff on Instagram as far as that's concerned. But maybe I'll start doing that a bit more just so people can kind of see what I am doing with my clients. Most of it's just me flexing in a bathroom, meal, in a bathroom mirror <laughs> um, or uh, eating chicken and rice with a tiny shovel or, uh, you know, lifting weights until I die. So uh, if you like watching that kind of stuff, just the <laughs> meat and potatoes, bodybuilding kind of page, then come and check me out on Instagram. We've got the Muscle Nomads podcast on YouTube. Um, we're going to be starting to film again for that soon. We've been very, very quiet with it recently, just because Steve has just had so much going on with his channels and other collaborations. So for sure, go and check out Vigorous Steve, the guy we've been talking about a lot. Um, invaluable information. It's all there. Um, we'll be doing more podcasts soon for the Muscle Nomads channel. And yeah, we'll just prep is going to start uh, after at the end of February. Going to take about, you know, a month or two just to clean out, get healthy, you know, just TRT for a while and then start prep. And we'll go balls in and kick some ass and chase that pro card. So. That's the plan. I'll be updating more and more and probably try and f we'll, we'll do a lot more Muscle Nomads podcasts and stuff throughout practice to keep to keep people updated and uh, follow the journey if they want to. All right, man. Well, there you guys have it. I'm super excited to see the prep and I'm going to be tuning in to Muscle Nomads. I want to ask you when that was coming back. I'm going to be the first soon, mate, soon. listening. <laughs> All right, man. It's been a pleasure. I'm going to stop the recording. <laughs>